With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? It's uh, It's been a while. This is uh, Zach Rosenblatt. I'm here with uh, Daryl Slater for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. We decided we would wait until a million things happened before we uh, came on to talk to you. Um, just a few things to talk about. Uh, but how, how you doing, Daryl? I'm doing well. Yeah, obviously, it's been uh, not so busy lately for the Giants, but a, a pretty darn busy stretch there in January and into, I guess, into the middle of February, and then things actually slowed down during free agency, but they did, did some stuff, and then the draft will be busy. So, kind of a weird, uh, weird busy, then slow, then going to get busy again off season. Yeah, it was funny. We, had, uh, we both were out at the owners' meetings in Palm Beach, <clears throat> which... If you thought the NFL wasn't doing well, that's the most extravagant event you could attend. Um, it's just like the Breakers is the nice one. It felt like a castle when we were there in uh, down in Palm Beach. Uh, but uh, John Mara, when we talked to him, uh, the reporter that spoke, Bob Glover, uh, opened saying something like, so quiet off season for you guys, huh? And John Mara was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a new coach, new GM. We're in the middle of a lawsuit. <laughs> And and they have a lot of like rumors, like but the yeah what what Bob obviously meant was about like free agency and how it was a lot quieter than it usually is or has been around Dave Gettleman. Um, but I, I thought I thought that was funny because they they made these significant changes, but the NFL offseason moved so fast that it, that feels like a di- almost a year ago at this point. It really does. Yeah, I mean Joe Judge fired. We knew Dave Gettleman would be forced into retirement or fired, so they start fresh with Joe Shane and and Brian Dable, and. Uh, and yeah, just when we thought all the you know the coaching stuff was done, then the Brian Flores lawsuit comes out out of nowhere, um, at least from our perspective, and uh, that's still lingering. Is going to be lingering for a little while longer. Um, Which, by the but, way, John Mara like defiant was defiant about that and like addressing specific points, so, which was surprising. Yeah, no, I mean that was good for our purposes, and he came obviously knowing he wanted to address that and. Um, We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see what this winds up being in terms of whether he sits for a deposition or what. And, um, but then everything else has kind of unfolded how we expected, right? I think they kind of made an expected-ish GM hire and then coaching hire. I don't think either of the hires was a surprise. The Flores lawsuit, surprise. Yeah. Uh, and then and then free agency, kind of how we figured it would go. A modest approach. Um, focused not really on star players because they didn't have the cap space to do it. I guess maybe the only surprise so far is that they haven't traded James Bradbury. Some I don't know if you could classify any of the other moves. I would the Logan say, Ryan cut. Was yeah, I was going to say the Logan Ryan was a surprise. But the I mean, other ones, you yeah. know, 
file them under what you'd probably figure business as usual. Yeah, totally. I mean, I and if anything, on, a, on like a minor surprise level, I think that uh, Sterling Shepard is back and that Blake Martinez is back. Like, I, I, I you, you never know if a guy's going to accept a pay cut, and those two accepted pretty significant pay cuts. So, um, so those are maybe not. I mean, that's a positive thing because they weren't. The reality was the Giants weren't going to sign. We're not going to sign a linebacker better than Blake Martinez. And they were not going to sign a receiver better than Sterling Shepard. So you take those as wins because, like you mentioned, like their their big free agent signing was Mark Lewinsky. Which, if I had asked you about him uh, two months ago, Daryl, you would not have uh, known who that was. So yeah, I think the response would have been who, and I think yeah. a lot of casual Giants fans would have thought that. But I mean, look, I mean, obviously he'll be a, and it's a low bar, but he'll be an oh, upgrade sure. from Will Hernandez. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, this team clearly has a lot of work to do. I mean, we've said this. Even last year, like regardless of who the coach was going to be, this is a team that was going to have to rely on coaching to develop the current slash returning yeah. young players, and also you know coaching and good drafting to bring in some rookies here who can contribute fairly quickly. If these this team's going to be like even anything better than terrible, um, so it's a pretty big uphill climb for Brian Dable and Joe Shane. I think in year one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, to your point, I think what they're banking on and they don't really have a choice, um, which they pretty much, you know, Joe Shane's been like, without saying Dave Gettleman's name, he's pretty much like been <laughs> critical of like what he inherited. Um, and so I think they're pretty clearly banking on all the guys that were hurt last year on offense, especially on offense, like defense, the defense is going to take a step back. I think that's pretty clear. They've, they're going to have to get rid of James. Matt. We'll talk about that quite a bit. Um, they got rid of Logan Ryan. Like they're going to be relying on probably a rookie corner. They're going to be probably starting, you know, rookies at at edge. You know, their defensive line is is going to look a little different. Like so, their defense is not going to be as good. Patrick Graham's gone. Uh, Wink Martindale is pretty highly regarded, but um, offensively, they didn't really. They added the offensive line, and they're going to probably going to have four new starters on the offensive line. John Feliciano is probably going to be the starting center. He has background with the Bills. They got Glowinski. He'll play right guard. They don't have a right tackle. Uh, they've been pretty open about the fact that they're probably going to draft one early. Um, and then left guard, you know, they've signed a bunch of like veteran journeyman, Max Garcia. Uh, what's the, the other guy from the Bills' his name? I'm blanking on it. Oh, Jameel Douglas. They have Shane Lemieux coming back. So it's like not not that exciting, but um, it's it's probably going to look different than the last year of Andrew Thomas. But so they're relying on guys like Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, like all these guys. Um, returning to form because they didn't really add weapons. They signed a guy, Robert Foster, who probably wanted to make the team. They got Richie James, who's kick returner mainly. So, and they don't have a tight end really. They have Ricky Seals Jones is like their only tight end right now, and he's not that exciting. So they're they're really banking on those guys, Galladay, Tony, Shepard, guys who have durability concerns. If they're healthy, Barkley. then maybe then maybe yeah, Barkley. If if these guys are healthy, then maybe you know Dable feels like he can get something out of them. If anybody could, you would think Dable could do it. He built that Bills offense into one of the best in the league. Um, and it always goes back to how Daniel Jones looks this year. But um, the offensive line can't get much worse, and their weapons can't really get much worse than they were last year. So, I mean, I said that the after 2020, and I was wrong, I guess, because it got worse. But, um, but yeah, to go back to original point, like I saw today that uh, the over-under, I think, was at seven wins yeah. for the Giants, which seems like crazy high <laughs> considering what they were last year and that they didn't make any significant changes. Like, doesn't, doesn't that seem a little high to you? In terms of, uh, sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, yeah, the Giants over-under is seven wins. It's seven wins? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's high. Um, I I would probably, I would put it at six, I guess. I mean, it's not, you know, five and a half or six, maybe. Um, 
I mean, if you're looking for a number that they would conceivably go under, right? So I don't think I think yes. four would probably be low. Four and a half, five and a half, or six, maybe. But I guess if everything goes right, they can get seven wins in theory. But. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's hard to, and in a big picture, when you were when you're thinking about how do you evaluate Daniel Jones? I mean, this is another new offense, which is going to be a challenge for him to learn. Um, I mean, they've talked about all the ways they've screwed him up with, you know, and one of those ways is a lack of continuity. Well, they're having more lack, they're having <laughs> more lack of continuity going that for lack of a better phrasing of that. And then, you know, there's still going to be questions on the offensive line, even though they think for some reason, you know, they think they're going to be better up front. I mean, the, the bar is low again. Um, and then, you know, they just need to, they, in their minds, you know, if these skill guys are healthy, that'll give them a better chance to evaluate Daniel Jones. And we'll, we'll see. Um, look, I mean, you know, if Kenny Galladay is fully healthy, is he is he a difference maker? I, I think there are obviously some ske- there's some skepticism about that. You know, if if this guy's really a number one receiver, even if he is fully healthy, so um, there's just so many what ifs still for Daniel Jones, and there's a lot for him to overcome. And and, and I, one of those things might just be the fact that he's also just not good. <laughs> so um, yeah, they're going to give him this one more shot. I, I would think they decline his fifth year option. They have until May second to do it, a little less than a month. It would make sense to decline it. I, I don't know. I presume you agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, so like in theory, if they truly believed in Daniel Jones and $23 million or whatever it is, isn't really that much for next year. But um, there's like zero risk to declining it. So if he if you decline and he's bad, then you just let him go. If you decline it and he's average, then you let him go and you get a comp pick back because he'll sign somewhere else. And if you decline it and he's really good, then – you either give him an extension, I'm sure he'd be happy to stay here, or you franchise tag him for like 30 mil or whatever it is, so or 35, which you pay for a good quarterback. So um, that's a no-brainer. Dexter Lawrence is an interesting one too. It's not as newsy, but I, I think they, I would think they exercise that unless they aren't that high on paying a run-stopping defensive tackle double digits, which I would understand also because that was kind of a problem that Gettleman kept on running into, where he kept on either overpaying or overdrafting guys that are only run stoppers or whatever. But um, but yeah, the Dan- the Daniel Jones point again. That you know we talk about it every year. It's make or break for him. I mean, this is literally make or break because once, if or once they decline his option, um, he's playing on the last year of his deal. And the interesting part about that, which I've been writing in stories, is that so they signed Tyrod Taylor, which I didn't mention earlier, to a two year deal. So if they decline Jones's option, and the only quarterback under contract for next year is not Daniel Jones, so I think that tells you that they they also even as much as they want to publicly come out and say he's the guy, and John Mayer believes he's the guy. Um, they clearly aren't quite sure if he's the guy. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, they should. I mean, that's an obvious thing. But I mean, John Mayer is talking like he's sure, but um, Brian Dable and Joe Shane have no reason to think he is right now. Yeah, I think they're just saying all the right things. Yeah, you know, I think privately they're probably you know, um, yeah, I, I think you've even if you can read, you know, just reading between the lines, even what John Mayer said at the introductory press conferences, you know, like it'll be basically he he did say, you know, we're going to give him every opportunity this year. Um, we've done all these things to screw him up. Um, we're trying not to not do those things again, even though they kind of are because they're changing coaches again. Um, but they think that this offense is going to be quarterback friendly for him, um, you know, and so they, they think that, you know, this will be the year where he can put it together. But, they, you know, there is even questions that they're that they think is for as much optimism as they have that there, there's got to be some obviously uncertainty. And so then it becomes what then, right? I mean, you talk about how it's fairly easy to make the decision on Jones. You decline the option, you ran through all the possibilities. Um, 
what do they do next off season? They're not going to get Russell Wilson. Obviously he's in Denver. Um, you know, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be an option for them next off season, but so like, what do they do? You know, do you just bank on being, I know that you don't bank on being bad per se, but um, if they're not bad enough to be picking high, what do they do? And I think one of the interesting things with this extra first round pick, they got five and they have seven um, is, you know, if they do trade back, which trading back is, you know, usually a fine enough thing to do if you, as long as you pick the right player when you trade back. Yeah. Um, and uh, they could maybe pick up a first, extra first round pick next year and they could potentially use that as ammo to move up for a quarterback next year, I think, while saving um, some money that they would have to spend on these draft picks this year because they're so pinched for cap space. So trading back out of five or seven, I think, could um, could benefit them potentially in, in multiple ways. Yeah, and I mean, and you never know who the next quarterback is going to be. That's going to be disgruntled. It seems like they come out of nowhere every year at this point. So um, I think accumulating future assets is good. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson hasn't signed his contract yet. Kyler Murray has all that weird stuff. Not saying I think the Giants can or would get this, guys, but there's always somebody who comes out. Like nobody thought Tyreek Hill was going to get traded, and then all of a sudden he was traded. So, um, so I, I, I think Shane is almost certainly looking to move back. It Whether he actually is able to get like a package where you're getting a lot of draft picks Next year, it depends on what teams view about this like quarterback class, which you get mixed signals. You know, it seems like Malik Willis maybe is the top guy, but is he like a Trevor Lawrence type? Probably not. So, um, I mean, if they wind up staying at five and seven, they'll, they'll still probably they should be able to get two pretty talented players too. But yeah, as you said, it, like what's their op- what's their option next year? They probably, you know, if, if they if they win six games, that that's not enough to get the number one pick. So. Um, it's an it's 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 kind of a no man's land that you don't want to be in as a franchise if you're trying to become a playoff team. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, either you have a quarterback or you're looking for one. And then you wrote a little something today. It was interesting about the the fallout from that Saints uh, Eagles trading. We were texting about it a little bit about you know why would the Saints make that move and and in terms of why they did it, you know, I think it seems like they're potentially positioning themselves to move up for a quarterback. Now the, the things that they gave up, they, they gave up quite a bit. It was, yeah. it looks right now like a pretty clear win for the Eagles in that trade. Obviously we'll see the players that, that they get with those picks. Right. So the saints are sitting there right now at what, 16 and 19 as I'm looking at the draft order. Yeah. And um, so the, to potentially get the, so say they trade up to seven, right. You know, they, they could do that. I mean, if the, the move that they'd want to do is get in front of Atlanta at eight the team in their division, that could be looking for a quarterback as well. You know, that is obviously looking at as a ton of quarterback uncertainty. So um, with Matt Ryan off to Indy, so that, that would be the one right that you'd look at. And, and and then the giants moving back to what, 19 or 16, 16, I guess would be the move probably. Yeah. Move back to 16. Um, To 16. But but I get, but the issue becomes if, if, I mean, Joe Shane has to decide if he thinks this draft has like 19 really good players or whatever, you know? So, if uh, if he decides that it doesn't and the Saints all of a sudden don't have their first round pick next year because they just traded with the Eagles. So that's why that trade was so weird to me. I feel like I don't know if if having number 19, the number 19 pick is more valuable this year or the number or the, their unknown first round pick next year when the Saints might not be that good this year. So, right. Uh, so the Saints don't have a first round pick next year. So what do they give the Giants? Yeah. In terms of ammo that the Giants could potentially use to move up for a quarterback next year. And so and then the other thing is like who are the quarter I mean, we know Bryce Young, right? I think the kid from Alabama. But yeah, you, you, you never know how these things unfold. CJ Stroud from Ohio State is the other big one. It's those two guys, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And so you never know how these things kind of unfold, yeah, yeah. but um 
I remember a time when I think Taj Boyd was like considered the <laughs> top quarterback going into his final year. Didn't quite work out that way. But um, I th- obviously that's not something I don't think Joe Shane is looking and saying, oh, Bryce Young is going to be our quarterback in 2023. They would love it. They would love to pay Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Best case scenario is Jones is actually good. Yeah. That's the easiest route. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and we mentioned him earlier. I guess we should talk about Saquon too. Um, cause his future is kind of interesting because I feel like if they could, they would trade him, but uh, especially because of that 7 million savings and the Giants don't really have that much cap. They just restructured a Dory Jackson's deal when Joe Shane really didn't want to do that, but he's kind of stuck right now because they have no money. But I don't know that Saquon has much value. So it's this interesting thing where it makes sense to go into the season. Like you, like you said, you want to support Daniel Jones and Saquon being there supports him. But, you know, what What even is the best case scenario here? Like, cause I guess the best case scenario in my head would be he plays well and you trade him at the deadline for something. But if he if he plays all year, you know, he runs for 1,200, 1,400 yards, looks like his old self, then are they going to get suckered into paying him too much? And then he reverts back to, you know, getting being injury prone again. So I, it's, it's like such an interesting spot because I probably would still trade him even if it's not great value and just accept that the season's not going to be very good, you know, go and draft a running back in the middle of rounds, you know, go all in on that guy. There's been – Better running backs than Saquon Barkley that have been drafted later than the first round. So, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on the Saquon stuff? It's tricky because, you know, just looking at it from the outside, I mean, not only probably would they not get much for him, but they would probably have to eat some of that salary at $7.2 million. Now, yeah, if they trade him up for a running back, that's why you don't pick one second overall, by the way. Right. I mean, it's funny when you hear Joe Shane say uh, the owners' meetings, and I, I resisted my usual urge to make snide remarks. <laughs> But he said, uh, you know, there's a reason he was picked second overall. Well, the reason he was picked second overall was reason. <laughs> because the guy who was just fired from your job was stupid enough to do it. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's one of the reasons he got fired. Like, so, yeah, yeah, one of the main reasons. So, yeah. you know, you could thank him being picked second overall for you having this job, I guess, <laughs> like, and being stuck with this problem of potentially trying to trade him. Now, a midseason trade, you know, would they have to eat? The salary is as much of it, I, I guess, you know, maybe not, right? Because it would be a prorated salary. Yeah. So it's just so, so tricky. Obviously, you want to be able to get a, a fair read on Daniel Jones. And, um, you know, there's probably a replacement level player for Barkley, you know, especially an injured Barkley um, out there to be had in the draft, especially considering, you know, the Giants have, what, five picks in the top 81. Yeah. And then they, you know, it's not like they have nothing after that because then they have 112, they have 147. So they have a high fourth and a half. And if they trade back, they'll have more picks. Right, right. So, yeah, no, I mean, in an ideal world, they would have traded him. In an ideal world, they would have traded James Bradbury. But everybody on planet Earth knows they're trying to trade these guys. Or, you know, I should rephrase it. They're not shopping Saquon Barkley, they're open to potentially trading him as they should be. As Joe pointed out. But they are shopping James Bradbury. I mean, that was very clear. You know, Joe Shane was basically hanging a for sale sign uh, on James Bradbury at the owners' meetings. Talking whenever, about it. whenever a uh, GM does, when you know he was asked like, "What's his status?" Well, he's on the team. That that's like <laughs> clear. He could have easily said, "We're not trading him." As he as he was way, way more defensive with Saquon, so you could tell like where they're at with those two. Yeah, guys. he's on the team, and remember, he is a good player. You know, also, like you know, here are his credentials. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it was like a Craigslist listing that he was reading out loud. I mean, he's trying to get rid of a futon or something. I don't know, yeah. but I, uh, I we should talk about the Bradbury thing because that's like the number one story for this team right now. Right now, yeah, because 
you know, it's, it's interesting because he's obviously a really good player. Um, his salary seemed reasonable coming into the offseason, but then cornerback, the cornerback like market didn't really play out. Like there was a couple of big deals, but otherwise like that Bradbury's 13 million, which is what the, the acquiring team would have to pay like 13 and a half mil. Um, that looks like a lot now for just one year. Like yeah, the team would want an extension, which reduces the value because they have to have an extension. And it seems like Shane is, is trying to hold steady and not just releasing him to save the money. Cause now like 2 million was guaranteed when free agency started or, or, something like or a few days after free agency started yep, two yep. Was guaranteed. so he's trying to he's trying to play chicken with these teams it doesn't seem like he's gonna win i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe a team will get desperate there's a report today that the chiefs aren't even actually interested in him maybe that's just a negotiating ploy like that says they don't want to take on that money and i imagine that's why they've had trouble number one everybody knows they're trading him and number two the teams don't want to take on that money you know stefan gilmore is still a free agent so i don't know where, where do you see that where do you see that going because i don't see any way that he's on this team you know they're I think they saved something like five million when they restructured a Dory, but they still need, I think, in something like twelve and a half million or thirteen and a half million um, for the for the draft class. Uh, like they need salary cap space for that, and I think you save twelve point one by trading James Bradbury. So there's a little gap there. They need money for the season um, when the rosters expand. There's like a couple mil extra that, that you need to account for. You need a few million for the practice squad. You need you know, a, a couple million in reserve for when guys get injured and need to sign replacements. So, like, they, they, there's just no scenario where James Bradbury is here unless he's agreeing to a pay cut, which he shouldn't. So, like, where do you see where do you see this? Like, do they just eventually cut him, do you think? Or, like, how do you how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, they can't operate right now. Yeah. Um, like you said, you listed all the reasons. And, and cutting him, if they do, that would be 10.1 in cap savings. And, and trading him would be 12.1. So... You know, worst comes to worst, they cut him and then they just chalk up the two million dollars that they that they have fully guaranteed to him already at the start of the twenty twenty two league years, you know, kind of the cost of doing business, unfortunately. Um yeah, no, I mean so the should he take a pick right, so is he gonna make thirteen point four elsewhere? I mean, I think that's what maybe maybe he pro- he probably would, right? I mean like or at least in that range, maybe maybe he makes ten mil a year or something like that. But I that, think he should look if they, they come to a, for a pay cut, he should obviously call their bluff and say no, go ahead, yeah. copy. Um, so it, it's he's a good player, so you'd think you know, good player, they should be able to get something from. But there are all these factors that mitigate it, which is entering the last year of his deal uh, and the thirteen point four million dollars salary. So those are two gigantic factors that will lessen the return that they're going to be able to get for him. And again, especially because they know um, all it takes is a couple teams to get into a bidding war. Right. Yeah. But I, I just, it, it's not, it's not comparable to like, say the Tyree kill type situation. Um, he, and the other thing is this. Yeah. You, I know you mentioned he, he's, he's a good and capable player and he did have a, he did have a good year in 2020. He did not have as good of a year last year. Yeah. He fell off for sure. Uh, Dory Jackson was better last year than, than he was. So um, now, granted, Bradbury playing number one cornerback type receivers, Jackson oh, the number two, yeah. different different scenarios there. But um, but yeah, so they're maybe a mid mid round pick, right? Could do you think they get a fourth rounder for him? Third? I, I thought that at the beginning of the offseason. Now I'm not so sure. Probably not but, a third at this point. No, I, I mean, I, if they were to do it, if the trade was happening today, like I. I would say they might even get maybe like a conditional fifth that can become a fourth or something like that. Like, but that's what, but, but not have to eat any of the salary. Right? Yeah, well, that's also there's also reporting that they're willing to eat some of the salary if that helps 
get a better draft pick, but I don't know like how much of that salary they're willing to eat. They need the cap room and the salary relief more than they need a fourth round pick versus a fifth round pick. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> so I guess it comes down to like, we don't know what like is Shane demanding a second round pick. Like we don't know what he's demanding. Like he doesn't have leverage is the reality. And so I he mean, has I, no leverage. What, what is interesting is like, in, you know, maybe I don't know that Dave Gettleman was known as being patient. Like he's, he's like standing his ground as long as he has to, like he doesn't have to do anything necessarily until the draft. Um, once the draft comes and goes, then you're become then you have to sign those draft picks and, and then it becomes an issue. So I, I I respect his him like, you know, standing his ground instead of like rushing to a decision, but um I don't really know where this play like this is why you see a lot of times teams make trades where like a very talented player is traded for like a sixth round pick or something. Like Amari Cooper is traded for a, a fifth, I think. Like a Pro Bowl wide receiver traded for fifth, but it's cause it's it's all about the money. Like it it's just salary cap hits and whether they can restructure and all this stuff. And that's why you see teams like stealing guys for very cheap. And it, the Giants never seem to be the team that are stealing the guy, I would say. But um, uh, so that's why it, it's unfortunate. Like, it's it's funny. I've I've even written this. Um, the irony is James Barbary is probably uh, Gettleman's best free agent signing he made. And they can't afford to keep him because of all his other bad moves. Because their cap situation got so bad that they restructured him like three times last year. And made, which made his cap hit twenty one million right now, which is why they can't keep him. But if they hadn't done all that, then he they wouldn't have to get rid of him, and you'd have a cornerback, which is a very important position in the modern NFL. And instead, they're going to have to get rid of him, and then they're going to have to replace James Bradbury too, which is a part of this. Like they're not only getting rid of him, you're you're creating a hole at corner because I don't know if Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes have shown enough that you can rely on them. So they're probably going to wind up drafting somebody pretty early. So it's like a whole cycle that started just because. You know, Dave Gettleman wanted to go and sign Kenny Galladay last year, essentially. Yeah, and give Leonard Williams enormous money or yeah. trade for Leonard Williams in the first place and franchise tag him. So that's the fascinating part of all this and, and the interesting part and stressful part about being a GM is that all these things are interconnected in, in the league where you have a cap. Uh, and so <laughs> they don't, like you said, I mean, you, you, yeah, Dave Gettleman um, did a nice job signing James Bradbury, but they backloaded the contract, they redid the contract, and this is why. Uh, you know, it's doing these sort of things, restructuring contracts is GMs don't want to do that. I mean, that's why I'm sure it was pretty painful for Joe Shane to rework the Adore Jackson deal to the point that, you know, the escape hatch after next year is, is going to be more painful for the Giants if they want to get rid of him. Now, I mean, he was a pretty good player last year. And so if he plays well again, I'm sure they'll happily pay him the balance of the contract, which is what, like 39 million over three years. Yeah. It's not terrible. For a number, number one corner is not bad, but if he doesn't live up to that, then it is. Yeah, Right, and they we're about to find out potentially if he is a number one corner uh, this year, if he has that ability to, to defend those type of receivers. So, and they're uh, clearly banking on that because, you know, when they restructured him, it was the three contracts you can restructure right now are him, Leonard Williams, and Kenny Galladay. So they, they still might have to restructure Leonard Williams. I would say if you were ranking them, I might have even thought they would have done Leonard before Dory, honestly, but um, – because I think Leonard's cap hit is what, like $27 million this year? Yeah, and I mean, that's another deal, situation yeah, like, where... They're probably gonna, even if it's just like a little restructure, like they're, even after trading Bradbury, like I said, there's all these other things they have to account for. Right. They'll have a lot of holes on the roster, so... Um, $27 odds million. Are they're pro- he's probably going to have to do it with him, too. I, Kenny Galladay, I imagine they're going to avoid like the plague with that because you want to be able to get out of that contract as soon as you can. Even if Kenny Galladay is a good year this year, it's still too much money, so... Um, so that that it's just interesting. Like that, I didn't expect them Adori to be like the first one out of those. I guess I guess it makes sense because his contract's not as big as the other two. But I don't know, and he's younger, I guess too, because he's only twenty six or twenty seven or something like that. 
Um, I think maybe I got that wrong. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be, uh, I would say like, to, to, to Joe Shane's credit, like it would have been very easy to, you know, he said all that stuff about not wanting to restructure. He could have got into free agency and seen a player, that shiny player that he liked that he wanted to bring in and decided, you know, I want to go and get that guy. And he didn't, he, they didn't restructure anybody besides Graham Gano, I guess, uh, which if you're restructuring a kicker kind of says everything about your cap situation. Um, but yeah, he stuck to his gun. So, that, you know, Mark Lewinsky, I think it was like 18 million over three years. Tyrod Taylor, 11 million over two. And John Feliciano is like one year and three and a half million. Those are the only three guys that were above the minimum. And they signed like 10 guys. So, um, I mean, nothing exciting. Like their roster probably isn't better than it was last year overall. Maybe their offensive line will be better. Yeah, but, definitely isn't um, better. <laughs> it, it, it is um, interesting covering a GM who seems I guess, to like. I mean, they're just banking on these guys. They spend back. money on. It, like it's playing well. Yeah. It, Shane just seems to have a better grasp of the salary cap and, you know, the consequences of, you know, being hasty and making big moves. And he's even said he doesn't like to build through free agency. He'd rather build through the draft and, and then pay the guys that are already on the roster. Um, That's uh, smart. We'll, we'll, look, see, we'll, see, we'll see if he sticks with that. It's easy to say now when they have no money. Like they're going to have a lot of money next year. They should. And we'll see if he sticks with it. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged at the very early going with him, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems competent and not particularly impulsive, and that's what I would think most GMs are today. Daryl, you cut out there. You know, Dave Gettleman, a little bit of an outlier there. And Gettleman, I'm sure, would have preferred to have built through the draft too, but he drafted bad players like, you know, Will Hernandez, and uh, he you know he drafted Saquon Barkley too high. He, he did dumb things in the draft, or maybe they seemed smart at the time, but um, – wrong things that turned out to be the wrong moves. And so, you know, Joe Shane is sitting here uh, with a, and thanks to Dave Gettleman because of the trade back move last year with the bears. Uh, he has an extra first round pick and then he got an extra third rounder from the dolphins. So that's why now he drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round. So <laughs> it's one thing to, to get the extra pick, but then, you know, the tra- pick that they traded back and, and got, uh, so far has not paid off. So yeah, there's... you have to weigh it. You have to weigh like they need a hit on that extra pick. Otherwise it looks. So if they get Kayvon Thibodeau and, and uh, Conwu, um, then it looks better that you had Tony. But if that pick is bad and you could have had Michael Parsons, then they're, it, that's not really that great of a trade. You got to consider that like the totality of the hall once all the picks are made and, you know, at five and seven and 36 and 67, I mean, and then even 81, like you have a chance out of those five picks to get what, like two or three, at least decent players or decent star guys who are going to contribute immediately, or certainly on this team um, who will be asked to contribute significantly immediately. So um, that's the reality. I mean, I think, you know, five or seven, you're looking at a guy who perhaps will be your starting right tackle, whether that, you know, is Evan Neal, um, Akonwu, the, the Iki Akonwu kid from NC State, or um, I don't know, maybe it's Charles Cross there from Mississippi State. So those are the three tackles. And then 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 what do you do at corner, right? I mean, so they have so many needs and so many holes, and they're about to potentially create another one by trading James Bradbury. Or do you just bite the bullet, start Aaron Robinson there, and then revisit corner next offseason? Um, it's not something they can necessarily attack all at once in one offseason. This is going to be a process, and I I know people are tired of this team rebuilding. But the problem is, they didn't when really you've rebuild been rebuilding for <laughs> you know two, three, four, or five years. It's clear that you haven't been doing been doing it the right way, <laughs> and you need to kind of start over, right? So 
it's not a continued rebuild. This is like another phase to the whole thing. Um, and so the Giants are going to be bad this year. Um, and, and I would be shocked if they if they win. I would be shocked if they win seven. I was shocked that that's a that's an awfully high number for the for the win total. Yeah, I mean we'll see how the rest of the offseason goes and what they do with their roster. But that I mean their offensive line, while it, I mean it can't get worse again. Um, it should be better, but. Uh, it's not going to be good still. <laughs> like John Feliciano was benched by the Bills. Mark Lewinsky was an average player for the Colts. So it's not, it's not like they're adding these pro bowlers. And they need a rookie at right tackle to be a stud. And maybe a rookie at left guard potentially. And so, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it could be a long season, but you hope that you have the coaches, a coach that is better at putting them in position to succeed than Jason Garrett was on offense. Um, I feel pretty good about Dable being that, but, I mean, until we see it, who knows. I mean, there's a lot of situations where you say, like, the Giants should be better if only because the bar was so low. <laughs> I mean, yeah. offensive coordinator competence, general manager competence, offensive line play. Um, you know, those would be the three big ones, obviously. You know, you could potentially even put pass rush in there. Um, but, you know, maybe they're a little bit better on their line. It's just hard to see a way in, in which they're going to be markedly better on their offensive line. It just, and that's been such a liability for them. We wrote a whole, you and I wrote a whole novella, a whole opus about that last year. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and this is another chapter in it. I mean, they're not able to make, now, you know, if they hit on Evan Neal, then maybe they got two pretty good tackles. And if Andrew Thomas takes a step forward, but they're not, um, they can't correct it all at once. And I'm not just talking about the totality of the roster, you know, even the line, offensive line. It's not something they can fix in one offseason because of the position of where they're at cap-wise. But that's why Joe Shane wanted to – I mean, he's talked openly about this. This is why he wanted to clear all this cap space and take on the dead money all at once and just rip the Band-Aid off. Um, that's why um, we we looked at it and said, like, oh, gee, look, at there's going to be a significant amount of dead money associated with cutting James Bradbury. But um, – you know, 11 and dead and 20, you know, 10 in cap savings, right. If they cut him, um, that's a lot of dead money then, but he's willing to take it on because, um, and look, they're taking on $11.4 million in dead money with Logan Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and they only saved $700,000, which is, I mean, obviously it's clear that he was not a fit on multiple yeah. levels. Um, and so, he's ripping the bandaid off here and this and he's trying to tell people in not so subtle terms that this, this is a bad situation and either temper your expectations or like put them in the garbage. Like, right. <laughs> quite frankly, that's why it's funny every now and then you'll, I mean, everybody needs a different opinion than what's out there. So I guess I get it, but you'll see like a national reporter or something be like, you know, who could surprise teams this year? Surprise people this year, the Giants. No, not no, happening. No, the Giants don't think they can. John Mara is like basically admitted that he knows it's going to be a struggle this year. Like, I think if they are seven and ten, that would be a surprise, and people yeah. should be rejoicing. I think, I, think I think they are smartly tempering the expectations, like pretty, like, like clearly, like they're not making it. Uh, um, they're not hiding it. Like they, they know. Like Joe Shane said something along the lines of, "We can afford to take the best player available because we have so many needs." <laughs> he said that after free agency so it's, it's like crazy like that, I mean, it, that's an admission that the roster is no good yeah i mean in not so many words they keep saying we stink but it's not my fault and it's not they do stink and it's not their fault like so i'm not you know i'm not gonna rip the gm for being honest uh, even in a semi-veiled way about it um 
It's not. I mean, now in three years, yeah, it's going to be his fault if they. Yeah, yeah once he starts having his own draft classes and they fail or they don't fail, then that's when we can start criticizing. And that's where Joe Douglas is with the Jets at this point. But yeah, yeah so yeah, J- Joe and Douglas came in in such a weird time that he got like two years of leeway pretty much before, maybe even a little more than that because he had that because he came in after the draft that one year. Right, right, right. He was hired in May of 2019, so his first year offseason was the weirdest offseason for a team I've seen in a long time. But. Uh, this is in the Jets podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there are certainly players you can look at on this roster. And it's, so if this is a developmental year, right, and, you know, it's not like the whole year is a loss. So you look at can Xavier McKinney continue to grow? Can Andrew Thomas continue to progress? Um, there are obviously guys, I mean, Leonard Williams, you know, can he be a player who they in 2023 can rely on to maybe push this team into being a late season surprise playoff contender? Okay, so like Dexter Lawrence, you know, what is he going to give? Like Kadarius Tony's a total mystery man, but he's a fascinating player because he flashed a little bit last year. Yeah. So there, there are certainly these guys, and obviously the Jones thing, but like um, there are certainly these guys who you look at and say, well, these four or five or six guys are not lost causes. Um, they and they are they are worth following. Um, and they're not dead weight. Um, and so I don't, you'd hesitate to call all of those guys foundational players, but this is a year where you're going to find out, uh, to what degree they can be that. Right. And I think especially Andrew Thomas, because he improved so much last year, can he take the next step? Um, and so there are certainly, I mean, look, Ricky Seals Jones is not like going to be one of those guys where you kind of know what he is. Um, but there are certainly guys who are going to be worth us, you know, worth paying attention to this year, even as this is going to probably be a long year where the quarterback is under the microscope every week. And again, you know, maybe he's potentially struggling for things that are not within his control, but Hey, that's, that's, that's life in the NFL. So, um, and then you look for things like, like, does, how does Dable handle all this? Right. That's the other thing. Yeah. Rookie head coach again, the guy who's never been a head coach, like Joe Judge. And they're getting beat up by good teams and he's going to get criticized for it. What's his demeanor going to be like, right? Is he going to, how is he going to handle practices? So I think there's some interest. This is, I think if you if you like the Giants, obviously you're going to follow them no matter what. But I think there are interesting things about this team, even though it's pretty clear they're not going to be a contender. Well, and I think I think Giants fans can be optimistic about the direction because it seems like the Giants are doing logical things now, as opposed to you know trying to win while rebuilding the whole Gettleman thing. Like they're not doing that stuff anymore. They're committed to the rebuild this year. Like you mentioned, I think that was a good point that this year is completely an evaluation year. They're evaluating every single person on this roster if they deserve to be here long term. I don't know if you can point to any. Andrew Thomas might be the only one that I would say definitively will be here in 2023. And I guess maybe you could say Xavier McKinney, too, just because he's on a rookie deal. Like guys that you can count on to be like good players to them in 2023. Those might be the only two. Um, yeah, but, you else, know, maybe somebody else. Everybody else is a question. Yeah. Um, I mean, as these Ojalari, maybe, but like maybe who knows if, if last year was a fluke or not. So, um, this is not a talented roster, and these guys all need to prove if they want to stay here, they need to prove they deserve to. And I think they're gonna a lot of guys are gonna get a chance to play. Um, I, I I imagine they'll they'll give a lot of people a chance to prove what they can do. These rookies are gonna play right away, which is you know it might look rough this year, but I think will be good in the long run that they're getting early experience. So. Um, yeah, like I've covered said, a few of these with the Jets, man. So I know yeah. all about the evaluation year where you sit here in April and you say, oh, my goodness. You know, we're, we're going to be at Halloween writing mock yeah. drafts and writing, you know, how the how the third round or fourth round pick is playing because he's starting or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's – you're right, though. I mean, 
ripping the bandaid off is the way to do it. Like it never works when you're in this weird middle ground with a quarterback who may or may not be good. Not a guy who stinks or is great. And you're trying to rebuild while winning. It never works. Ripping yeah. the bandaid off like they did with firing everybody with eating all this dead money with whatever, um, trying to trade guys maybe that can or can't be able to be able to do it. That's the way to do it. You have to do it that way. Um, and I think in retrospect, yeah, I mean, like we really haven't talked since Joe Judge got fired, but like, um, did he get a little bit of a raw deal? Yeah, probably. I mean, he didn't do himself any favors by talking himself out of a job, but by saying like insane stuff, yeah. um, but yeah, maybe a little bit of a raw deal. But but to get a decent general manager, you have to you had to get guys in the same timeline. You don't want to have a GM and a coach on different timelines. It just never works um, usually. And so they ripped the bandaid off. They got a rookie head coach, a rookie general manager who are you know, and they're they're coming in here with tempered expectations and a potential escape hatch for your quarterback. They're not locked into the quarterback, um, which. I think, you know, you could be looking at next year with new quarterback, rookie quarterback, second-year GM, second-year head coach, and um, and then maybe you want results by, what, 2024? My gosh. I mean, sorry for the older Giants fans who are, like, uh, <laughs> wanting results immediately. I would yeah. feel bad for those folks. But, hey, you know, Super Bowl win in 27, 2007 and, and 11. So I don't think, uh, you know, Jets fans, you know, t- would tell you you got nothing to complain about. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I I think the, dra- the the Giants are one of the more interesting teams in the draft. So the draft's going to be interesting. They have the Bradbury thing coming. So there are at least some storylines for us to keep an eye on these next few weeks. The Daniel Jones option, all that stuff. Um, we can wrap up there. I know you got to get yeah go pick up your kid. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap up there. We'll get back to you guys either if there's a Bradbury trade or um, something notable happens before the draft. But um, if not, uh, we'll see. You- We'll do a pod then, and uh, thank you guys for listening.